Welcome everyone to another episode of Where's This Going? Before we get started today, I want to thank my sponsor, U.S. Wellness Meats. In today's world, eating healthy takes a lot of effort. Walk through the grocery store aisles and you're surrounded with processed foods, chemical additives, preservatives, fillers, flavorings, all of that terrible stuff. Is it any wonder Americans are facing growing health concerns? My friends over at U.S. Wellness Meats offer all-natural foods, sustainably raised on family farms, and they'll ship right to your door for free. 100% grass-fed beef, lamb, bison, and wild-caught seafood, pasture-raised pork, and free-range poultry are just some of the foods available at uswellnessmeats.com. Use the promo code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to save 15% off your next order at uswellnessmeats.com. Go check it out today. And I also want to remind my listeners that they can find all of the information about myself and the show at felix-levine.com. There you can find all of the podcasts in video and audio formats. You can find the link to my YouTube channel, which you can also just find by searching my name, Felix Levine, on YouTube. Uh... Please make sure to rate and subscribe and do all that good stuff to the show. That's always super helpful. And if you are a sponsor and looking to sponsor the podcast, please visit my website, felix-levine.com, as I just mentioned. And there you can find all contact information and we can hopefully figure something out. And my next guest is a mixed martial artist who was the former Ring of Combat, King of the Cage, and Cage Fury champion. He is one of the best current UFC bantamweights in the world, and he fights on February 8th at UFC 247. Please welcome the powerful Jimmy Rivera. Live, Jimmy Rivera, sir. Thank you so much for uh, coming on today. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, as I told you just a second ago, is there a little something, little tidbit that the world doesn't already know about you? Um, I think if you look into like interviews I've done in the past, or just uh, some stuff in general, like I was like a little. I was first. I was a little chubby kid growing up. You know first four or five years of my life and I had an asthma attack. Um, I have a- I had asthma and I outgrew it, but uh, I had asthma and I couldn't eat anything. Like it was barely, I was just drinking water. I couldn't like get anything down my throat because my lungs were, you know, closed and I ended up losing a lot of weight and not being such a chubby kid. And from there, having asthma attacks and not really being able to eat sometimes were kind of kept my weight down and kept me really skinny, but I was also like, I was an active kid. I liked to be outside and play around a lot. So then at what age did you like outgrow the asthma? Like I, 13, 14 years old. It was more like when the seasons changed, dust, and then like anything, any physical activity, like exercise asthma I had. So I would like be on a nebulizer if needed, especially when the seasons change. I mean, after the on fight, I got my nose fixed finally and I had, I think it's called polyps and they grinded out my nose. It was crazy how much they took out of my nose. It stopped snoring, been sleeping better. The seasons change. I don't get sinus infections anymore. I used to get sinus infections like that. It's 
unbelievable the whole change of when you just, you know, getting my nose fixed um, and then just coming in there and cleaning it out. And they had to readjust right the top part because my nose was de- it's deviated already, but the top part got more deviated in the fight. So it was nice to be able to finally breathe because I was like 90% block and I was still training for fights. So I was like a mouth breather. Like that one fight I had was uh, was a Sterling that my mouthpiece kid come out because I was just breathing out through my mouth and I couldn't breathe through my nose. So that's why my... Like when you breathe hard out of your mouth, like it just mouthpiece doesn't stay in. Well, that's also crazy because you're known as like a, a guy with you know great conditioning, good cardio, and everything, and and here you are like with like not able to breathe properly. Do you feel like since you've gotten it fixed now for this training camp, it's been uh, night and day? Do you feel? Yeah, like- where I started this training camp, cardio wise, like sprints, for instance, is where I was closely ended my last camp. Oh. So it was a tremendous difference from going, being able to breathe to not being like a mouth breather to now being able to breathe out my nose. Wow. So, okay. So we'll, we'll get into maybe your life uh, a little bit after, but I'm more curious since we're on the topic of uh, camp and everything. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time three, four weeks out of a fight. I know that you, you're busy these uh, days. I, I'm busy with everything. I'm, 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 I was just talking to my, uh, my manager yesterday, I was just like, yesterday was a crazy day of just being busy. Even my wife, telling my wife, just one thing after another after another. Monday is like the start of the week, and it was the hustle. It was like the grind right away. So do you, I mean, uh, you know, you have your gym in, in the city. Yeah. Um, do you, during fight camp, maybe take a little bit less time working there? Or do you still do as much? How do you manage both of those? It's hard. I usually, you know, my 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 PT who works with me and does my nutrition and a lot of my cardio stuff, we usually, even now, like any off camp, we try to still get like a second workout in. It all depends on what it is. But like yesterday, like most times I won't be able to hit a run right after training. So I'll hit my run at night. So like during one of my classes, I'll have someone teach and I'll, you know, hit on the treadmill, hit my sprints or hit the bag, whatever I didn't get to do earlier that day. What's a, uh, so... Compare this fight camp to to most. Do you still? I mean, do you tweak things as you as you go, or oh, how, what's, yeah. what's a what's a Jimmy Rivera yeah. fight camp look like? Uh, always, you know, there's always battling injuries. Uh, there's uh, always ups and downs. Good training days, bad training days, um, and it's just you know, <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears in a way kind of thing. Um, there's always good days and bad days. There's always, you know, you have really great days of sparring or, or just rolling, whatever it is, and you have some bad days where you wish you did chid to this or that. And then you always battle. I think every fighter does battle injuries and um, they don't have to deal with certain things going on uh, with their body. And, you know, that's uh, I think that's the toughest thing. You know, you know some people, you know, it's, it's funny. We t- I've talked about it. My wife and I, my wife's been training for since she was three. Her dad actually cornered me in my first amateur fight because... Uh, Tiger wasn't uh, around. He wasn't available. And we always talk about, like, sometimes some guys only have this, and this is what they do for fighting. This is how they make a living. So, like, they might go to the fight, and they're not 100%, and still go into the fight and maybe win or maybe lose. But, you know, they'll still have an injury, and they'll get that injury, like, fixed afterwards through the UFC's income. Like, yeah, I hurt this, but they really hurt a long time ago. So... A lot of these people like rely on fighting. It's like if I'm not 100% or if I'm really hurt, I, I'll step out. I'm like, I'll wait till I'm, uh, you know, there's always going to be bumps and bruises. That's one thing. But if something's really bothering me, I'm really hurt, 
I'm, I will not continue. Like, uh, you know, I'm not going to name who it is, but someone I know, their knee was messed up and they were going against a wrestler and they couldn't, you know, wrestle that much. Their knee was torn. So right after the fight, you know, they lost, they didn't do well. They lost the fight, but right after the fight, they ended up getting surgery because their knee was that jacked up. Right. And so, so for you right now, um, I mean, where I think we're about three and a half weeks out in terms of weight. When do you start doing all your your weight cutting and? and oh, managing? I do it already. Yeah, once I go into camp, I start. I mean, I eat healthy as it is because I preach it to my my students, my adults, and got to be in shape. And I can't be fat and out of shape and tell them, "Oh, I'm going to get you in shape." So I'm always eating right. I cheat a little bit on the weekends, but then when it comes to the fight camp, there's just a cheat on the weekends goes away. What do you walk around at generally? Uh, like one between one fifty, one fifty five. Okay, and what what are you? Where, do you mind saying what you're at right now? Uh, I don't know. I gotta go check. <laughs> <laughs> do you have Do you have any uh, any bad weight cutting stories? I think my last. I mean, I've had a couple bad ones. I think my last bad weight cut was like when I fought Sterling. I literally like we started the weight cut too late. I slept like two hours. I woke up. I finished the weight cut, and then I never recovered from the weight cut. So it's like. Um, and fighters can relate, or people that train can relate. It's like not getting a good night's sleep and going to train the next day and just doing horrible. And that's how I felt when I went for Sterling. It was like, you know, my coach was telling me things, this and that. I just couldn't put stuff together. I was just, I was dead. I was like, you know, I just wasn't recovered from the weight cut. I didn't sleep enough. I didn't get a good night's sleep. And that was one of the things we fixed going into the Yon fight was like, you know, started waiting earlier, got a whole night of sleep, you know, figure out little things here and there for the weight cut, change how we did the weight cut too to 10 times better. So like my easiest weight cut, I got to say, was the on five. It's the easiest I ever had. And so, okay, I want to take you back a little bit uh, back in time to when you first started getting into fighting. Um, you mentioned you were you know, earlier on a little bit of a, of a chubbier kid, the asthma and everything. When did you first get into to mixed martial arts? And will you kind of give the background of, um, you know, if you knew at a young age you wanted to be a pre professional fighter, how that came about? No, not at all at a young age. But so I started training when I was eight, nine years old. I moved from Lodi, New Jersey to Ramsey, New Jersey, where I finished and graduated from Ramsey. And when I moved there in like third grade, fourth grade, I was in like the new kid. So I got picked on a lot. And then afterwards, it kind of like settled away, but I still got picked on from this one kid. So I was acting out at home. And my mom brought me into Tiger Shomans for discipline. It was like the closest school. And I mean, I literally walked in there. I was always a fan of like Karate Kid, uh, Power Rangers, Ninja Turtles. And I literally walked in there and this guy's walking to teach me, come teach me my class. And uh, his name is Sensei Vincent Domingo. He owns a school in uh, Garden City. And he was Filipino. So I was like, wow, this is going to be just like Karate Kid. I'm like, this is my Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> and then from there, I just taught it. He taught me. I fell in love with it. I literally would come like, you know, we had beginner intermediate classes for the kids. I usually come like an hour early or a half hour early just to watch the intermediate class and, and, and then do my class. And then, uh, you know, two or three days turned into like going every day and training. And then I saw people compete and fight. And I'm like, oh, I want to do that. And I got into some kickboxing matches as a young age, like 13, 14. I think I had my first kickboxing match. And then after that, it was just like, you know, oh, I want to keep competing. And that's one of the things we teach our kids is competing where um, it's not about the winning. It's about like, just getting in there. And if you don't win, just getting back up again and trying again. So that's one of the biggest things we teach and we preach in the schools, you know, my school and all the other schools. And we do a tournament every six months. 
Uh, but besides that, get into the training. I got into it, loved it. And then I also, you know, was able to defend myself against the bully and never had to deal with being bullied again in school, which was, you know, a lot of kids deal with. And I have kids that come in because they are teenagers as well. And I just help them and it gives them a whole new outlook because if they do have to defend themselves, they know what to do. What do you think it is for those for those kids who get bullied who then um, learn martial arts or some form of, uh, you know, fighting? What do you think it does mentally for them? Is it more just like they feel like they can defend themselves? Is it more, do you see them as uh, being more confident after? Like, where do you see that? Like, I'm sure you've had kids walk in, you see what they're like in the beginning, and now you see their transition. What's that been like for you? It's simple. It's the, the transition. It's like I tell parents, you know, the best self-defense is self-defense you don't need to use. If you tell your kid to go defend himself, that's one thing, but you got to show him what to do. And that's where I come in. I show them what to do. And when a kid knows how to defend himself, they're a lot more confident. So, you know, we're all animals at the end of the day. And, you know, you know when your friend or someone, you know, close to you is sad, happy, mad. It's the same thing if you know someone's confident that they can defend himself. So, and that's why we always say the best self-defense self-defense you don't need to use because you're just going to be a lot more confident. You're not going to have to deal with it. And if someone says something to you, you'll stand up for yourself, whether it's mentally or physically. So then at what age did you know, um, I mean, you had your, your first pro bout, was that 18? 19. 19. Um, at what age did you know, I mean, did, you know, it was probably a few years before I'd imagine that you wanted to be maybe a professional fighter. This is what you wanted to do full time. Like, I think I want to say when I wanted to like really go into fighting and take it further, it was like about 16, 17. And what did your parents, did your parents? Uh... Oh, so I just grew up with my mom. My mom was like, you're not doing it. I'm like, I'm going to do whatever I want. <laughs> and that's what I did. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go in there. And and that's it. That's what I, that was the end of the story. Does she, uh, does she come to all your fights? Is she? She does. She gets way more into it than she is. She's a very overprotective mom. Um, but it is what it is. I just, you know, I make sure my mom is with my family, not with my wife and separated because, you know, they get, really into it. I can understand someone you care about and really close to you. I'm the same way, like, you know, at MSG, I'm like, all right, you know, when Shade and Julio and Lyman fought, I'm just like, all right, let me have a couple of drinks real quick. You know, I'm like, let me let me get my nerves down. Like, cause it's, it's, it's horrible watching someone you care about fight and you can't get in there and, and do anything about it. Do you get more stressed out watching uh, your friends yeah. fight rather than you fight? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some stress on your shoulders when you have to fight. But it's more stress when you're watching your friend fight. Like not the stress for you is like the whole fight camp. You got to make sure you're doing everything to prepare for it. But the when your friends fight, it's a stress that night. It's a stressor. And what's it like to have that? I mean, all the team Tiger Showman's guys are. We've got you know. I think how many UFC guys? Four or five. 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 Um, what's it like training all together? And I mean, I, I know you guys some. A lot of times have, have tried to line it up so you guys are all on the same card. This past MSG card, you were not on that card. But um, what's it like if you are going through camp together, doing it together, and if not, um, just having that it's, support? It's team. good. It's just more, more, more back support. More, more. It's like you know, family atmosphere place. Even when we're fighting, so it's just a lot of you know, a lot of uh, support training in and out. And so I'm also curious. So so you start at 19, um, then you become champion in a couple different promotions. Uh, what are you thinking at that point? Is the goal the UFC? Is what? What do you? What's going on in, in a young, you know, twenty three, twenty four, twenty five year old? I, you know, head? I think when I realized I wanted to be UFC was probably when like my teammates were going in. To be honest with you, um, I was just doing it because I love it. I still do it because I love it now. Um, but 
you know, once my two teammates went in, Nick Pace and then Louis Galano, I'm like, I really wanted to be in there. And so then, do you remember your uh, your UFC debut? Yeah, I remember. What was it? What was going on through your head? Were you more nervous than uh, I wasn't? I wasn't nervous at all because I was around it when pa- my buddy Pace and and Lewis fought, so I knew what it was all about. Went in there; it was just great to go in there, get a quick win too, and walk out and enjoy it. And then, I mean, what was also uh, pretty incredible was, I mean, you went on a twenty fight win streak, as a lot of people know. Yeah. Um, and then. You know, there are a couple a couple losses, but then do you feel like people like have written you off, or do you feel like do you feel like you have a chip on your shoulder to because there was I mean there's there's a point where it was like you were 100 percent everyone there was this hype and then you know you there's losses to, to to great guys but you're still I mean 30 you're still young you're still at the top of the game do you feel like some people have written you off? Uh, I don't know about people. I just think uh, at the end of the day, UFC is going to do what the UFC wants to do. And sometimes it just, it makes sense for them, but it doesn't make sense for a fighter. So it's one of those things, it's like, you, you kind of like, you damn if you do, damn if you don't. So, you know, going into this fight, you know, it's, you know, got to prove myself that I'm still in the top of the division, but also going into the fight, it's like, you know, my primary doing is, primary focus get a win, and then, you know, top five guy next. That's it. I mean, you know, we were off the Marlon Vera fight early, but it didn't make sense because what do I benefit from fighting him? And right. that's always always been like if I fought Jan, it would have threw me right back into either one more fight and then title fight or maybe a title fight right away. Um, you know, I can't say anything about the Sterling fight. Like the Jan fight, I was like, it's very questionable because I lost 30 seconds of the fight a little bit at the first round, a little bit at the end of the second round. So it's like one of those things that, you know, kind of bothers me a lot. And I could tell that he wasn't as happy in his performance, but... He, I think he just got lucky. Um, and with the Sterling fight, that's my fault. Like, I lost that fight. I didn't show up. I had a bad weight cut, and I learned from it, and I made those changes into the Jan fight. And then how do you, do you, do you watch a lot of tape of your fights? To, to How does it work with, with your team when you're preparing for a new fight? Um, I usually watch, like, I watched my last fight a couple times after the fight, and then I usually watch most recent fights and, you know, compare the two and see what fights, you know, if he's won and what fights he's lost and just kind of compare who he fights and sometimes, like, you know, who's kind of similar to my style. And so you're 30 now. Um, how long do you think you still want to continue fighting fresh? I mean, you told me earlier, uh, even when we, were, when we were walking up, you know, you don't need to, to fight, uh, but you love it. How long do you do you hope that you continue? 34, 35. I think, you know, they always say once you hit 35, you start going over the hill. I think uh, around that age. And now we're going to take a quick break to talk about one of my favorite sponsors of the show, Manscaped. If you've been a regular listener of the show, first of all, I thank you. But second of all, you have definitely heard me talk about Manscaped quite often. And I've always talked about the Lawnmower 2.0 as one of their main products. However, today I'm excited to talk about the 3.0. If you use the Lawnmower 2.0, it's an easy transition because it's the same replacement blade with a new and improved skin safe technology. When I tell you this is premium, I mean absolutely premium. The battery will last you up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. One of the coolest new features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. 
And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a rapid charging dock powered by USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, which I greatly appreciate, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim all of that nasty stuff away, and you can do all of that using promo code WTG at manscaped.com. When you use that promo code, again, that's WTG, you will receive 20% off and free shipping on your next order at manscaped.com. I'm telling you people, that 3.0 is legit. They sent it to me, and it's right next to my computer on my, uh, on my desk, so I highly recommend it. Let's get back into it. So, speaking of your next fight, Marlon Cheeto Vera, what do you, uh, you know, without obviously revealing the game plan, what do you kind of see in, your, in his game that you feel like uh, maybe I, catches your attention? You know, I just, I think, you know, some people are like, I just think he, I'm better all around. Um, I, but I do say anybody in the top 15 or in the UFC in general, they got to be tough. You know, yeah. I mean, they're not uh, no Joe Schmo, so they got to be tough. Um, I think I'm just better all around. And I think when it comes to it, it's just, I'm very confident in it. You know, I, the biggest thing is just being in shape for a fight. Have you always, I mean, you know, how, how uh, you talked a little earlier about teaching uh, kids, it's not just about wins and losses and stuff like that. Um, for you personally, how do you, uh, mentally go through that process after a win? Do you think about it or do you think, ah, oh, it's normal, it's done? Or do you think more about the losses? Like, how do you bounce back uh, from a loss? I always think about both, you know what I mean? I always think I could do better even if I got the win and from a loss, I guess, you know, same thing, see what I could do better to get it, get you know, get the win. Um, I always look back and critique. I'm like a perfectionist, so I always go back and critique and want to do better. How does... uh? How does, you know, for you at, at 30 years old, how do you feel like you continue to to improve? I mean, you know. It's just experience. I mean, I always train off fight camp when I'm not in fight camp. So with that, you, that's where you learn the most. And then just the experience, the 11 years of just fighting or 12 years fighting amateur and pro just adds up and gives you a lot more experience, a lot more things you could do. What do you feel like is something that you would tell, um, that you wish you knew at maybe like 19 or 20? That you would tell your younger self that you now know? I feel like just the, some of the mistakes, just different things I've gone through and experiences, I would wish I knew like earlier, but that's life. You make the mistakes or you've gone through the mistakes and you learn from them. So always like I wish I like known, known better when I was younger, but you live and learn. What about as a, as a fighter in terms of... Uh... Uh, same thing. It's just like, you know, as the years goes on, you get better and you learn from it. You know, each fight too is like a learning experience. So you learn from it. And it, it would be great to have those, not have those experiences and just know, the, you know, learned already what I should have done. And so 30 now, do you feel like with a couple wins, um, I mean, do you, do you believe you'll be a UFC champion one day? Yeah, I just think... Um, it's very hard depending on what the UFC wants to do. And, you know, what kind of sucks in a way is that the division still held up. Like you had Henry Segudo fight last June and still hasn't fought yet and defended the belt. I know he's got surgery and stuff and I can understand, but it's still like, all right, when's he going to fight? You know, and it comes down to money too. It comes down to who you're going to fight. So it's just one of those things. It's like, all right, well, let's keep the division going. So this way, 
you know, people, you know, a champ should fight at least two or three times a year, really three, and keep the division going. And I'm also curious as to, uh, I mean, you know, I've only known you for, for a short while, but you seem like a very, like, calm and relaxed guy. How is the the Jimmy Rivera in the cage different from the Jimmy Rivera outside of the octagon? <laughs> Just, I think it's the same, but I, I know I have, I know across the ring this guy wants to kick my ass, so I got to kick his ass. Do you have any pre-fight rituals that you do every time? Uh... You know, I usually get slapped before I get in the octagon by Tiger. And then, uh, you know, I just, you know, spend some time with the family and, and uh, say my goodbyes you know, and just go in there and, and fight, I guess. What's the, I mean, for, for someone who, who hasn't ever fought in like a, in a professional bout against another man who's trying to take you out, will you describe what that's like? I mean, it's, you know, I we... Mean, we see it as as fans, and we see it on TV, and you guys do these things, and you execute like you know you execute these movements so flawlessly. But it's a uh, it's probably a whole another ball game when you have someone coming for your head. It really like especially when it's your first fight. It's like one of those things you realize like all right, well, I'm in the cage, he's in the cage, or octagon, they're locking it, and we're like literally the refs in there is like you ready, you ready. I'm like all right, well, now we gotta kick each other's ass, and then once the bell rings, it's just game plan kicks in and you start working. But it's always crazy to be like all right now everybody's. Thousands of people and millions on TV are watching me fight right now. So, but it, I mean, it doesn't really go to my head. I just go, it's like it's a real feeling like, all right, we're actually going to do this. And then just bell rings and everything else is second and just game plan and fighting comes first. Is it a, do you feel like you have a, you're a constant adrenaline rush for those 15 yeah, to 25 minutes? For sure. Yeah. Cause after the fight, <laughs> everything hurts. Do you remember the, do you have one particular favorite um, moment inside uh, the octagon? Um, you know, uh, there, there's been a couple. I think one of my uh, biggest achievements is just going in there and beating Uriah Faber. I think that's one of my biggest achievements in there. And then, you know, watching his fight against Jan recently, I was, you know, I was pulling for him. I wanted him to win, and it sucked he didn't. But, uh, you know, I think when it comes down to people – Jan's a Jan's a, a contender, and and losing a very very close like I don't even think it was that close, but I was winning all those rounds leading up to the end of the first and the second, just losing ten seconds here and fifteen seconds there. Like that bothers me a lot. So it's like you know if I could have a rematch, I would definitely love to have a rematch with him or uh, with Sterling too. You know or or no any of the losses I have. There's the three losses I have: Sterling, Marlon, uh, Morais, or. Uh, Top three yeah. guys other than yeah. Henry, you know. Yeah. So. Um, so, do you feel like, you know, not to look past too too past, but uh, you know, you say you pick up a win against Cheeto. Uh, who is there? Someone right after that you that you're looking for next? Top five. That's yeah, someone in the top five. Whether it's a rematch or someone in the top five. I mean, who do you got? You got a Sansa Sans House fighting Cody. So um, it's a killer division. I mean, there's some murderers in that. Yeah, one. it's a, it's a it's a it's a very like people look at divisions. I, UFC looks at it. I believe like it's a hard division to figure out who's gonna go next to fight right. for the belt. I mean, I believe Jan should be the next, but besides that, it's a very deep division. Anybody could be champ in the top ten. Would you ever consider either probably not moving up or down? No, I mean there was talks about moving down. One point, I was like, "Yeah, that's just not healthy." Um, I didn't want. I don't want to go in there and not perform, and then it's like a whole complete lifestyle change. But I could do it. But it's that: Am I going to be healthy when I get hit in the head? 
You know, right. that's the biggest thing that I worry about. Um, moving up, uh, I'm not as big as some other guys. So I think moving, I think 35 is the perfect spot for me. But I know some guys that fight at 45 that walk around like 65, 170, 175. I'm like, that's huge. Would you ever, uh, there's there's one question that, that I was talking about with a, with a friend the other day. Um, and actually I was with Lyman yesterday and I asked him, uh, is there a, one, can you train your chin? Two, can you, uh, you know, do some people just have bad chins? Or is that something like... Definitely some people have bad chins. Can you train your chin? No, but I guess you could get in better shape. Kind of like if you think of a Frank Yeager fight in Maynard where he got killed the first round, but he was in such a good shape he could bounce back. So that could happen. But uh, some people just, you know, have glass jaws and you hit them and they drop. What do you hope is, uh, you know, when you're done with your fighting career, uh, your legacy as a as a as a professional fighter? Uh, I don't know because I haven't thought that far about being done, so I can't really tell you. Okay, and what about um? Do you think that uh? I don't know if one day you 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 want to have kids or whatnot, but do you uh? Do you would you would you allow your kids to to be in the in the a no, fighter? No. Why not? No, because everything I've been through is not worth it. Really? For them. Yeah, for their health. Yeah. Me, uh, you know, it's like uh, it's almost like a Rocky Balboa kind of thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the concepts and the things I learned in martial arts definitely would let them train, but to fight and I would rather them do something else. What do you think is the is the greatest life lesson you've you've been able to learn that MMA has taught you? It makes martial arts. I mean, there's been so many just in training and purposes. I can't I can't even give you I mean, I could give you one, but like there's just so many. Like, one of the things I can give you is just, like, the discipline that's learned of, you know, not giving up and starting something finishing it and the, where my self-discipline's at, like, in general, just something I learned as a kid in Tiger Showman's. So that's a huge one. You know what I mean? And what is some of the, I mean, you can get into it uh, as much or as little as you want, but some of the, you know, the hard parts of something, of, of the game that, that really you know, would make you opposed to having your child or someone that you really care about get into it? Get a hit in the head. And I think cutting the weight sucks. That's you, one of the biggest things that I think I would fight forever if I didn't have to cut weight. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, and in terms of, uh, well, I think it's also interesting because, you know, with, with the NFL now you see all the CTE and everything coming out. Um, yeah. I mean. Do you, is that something you worry about? Yes. I mean, something I worry about. I might think my wife worries about it more. But I think it's something you can control. And um, it's really important to know when your limits are. And if you need a break or you can't do rounds that day, just don't do them. And that's it. Is there, do you, do you take any like CBD or stuff like that to, to help you with that? No. How the hell is that going to, I don't think it's going to help you. Really? Some, nah. some, some fighters have... have it's helped them a lot. At least they say it, you know? Placebo effect. Placebo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how do you, uh, in terms of recovery, when you're, you know, pre-fight and, and post-fight, how is it? Do you do cryo? Do you do any? Uh, um, I tried cryo before, but it's not, it's not anywhere near like doing an ice bath. Ice bath is the way to go. Um, it's just knowing your body and, and doing right things. I mean, I have a great physical therapist. Um, his program's Counter-Strike. He works with me all the time. And he's got me. I mean, there's been some really bad injuries. You know, I mean, I almost got pulled from the cruise fight before cruise was before even cruise was hurt. I was hurt, <laughs> and I tore my knee, and I was able to rehab it. So we started that camp like three months out. So it was 
I had time, so it didn't affect it that much. But that fight was close. I mean, there's been a couple close calls, but he's very good. So I'm usually able to get get out of it, you know, be able to recover from the injury. It's just, it all depends, to be honest with you, how bad the injury gets. Um, I could, yeah, that's it. And when do you, uh, when are you going to go down to Houston? For the, the, week, the week of. I don't go down early. Unless it's like, you know, Colorado or some elevation, something like that. I go down the, the other week of. Do you have any big plans after the fight? Any small vacation planned or something to relax? Uh, no. We were supposed to fight MSG, and I had a vacation with my wife for our anniversary to go to Italy. But then they wanted me to they, Rob. So Cody Stamen wouldn't take the fight, and then Rob fought, couldn't get cleared in New York, which sucked because I really wanted to be at MSG with my f- teammates and be fight at MSG because I've always dreamed to fight there. So it kind of sucked because. Um, I couldn't do it. And they, they wanted to push the fight in the beginning of December. I'm like, I, I'm away. Like, I can't do it. Like, uh, yeah, I, I'll get back in the beginning of December. But I'm like, all right, I'm going to be gone for two weeks. How am I going to do a fight camp? And then I'm like, you know, this is one of those things where I'm like, you know, get me someone else to fight MSG. And then there was no one else. So I was like, all right, well, I guess that's it. I mean, they gave me two names. We said yes to Cody. I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, all right, so we'll go say yes to Font and that fell through too. So it's it's tough. I mean, the commissions and sometimes the criteria make sense or doesn't make sense. So you really can't do anything about it. You just kind of go with the flow. Wrap things up. Do you have a, a final prediction for February 8th? I just want to get my hand raised. That's it. That's the biggest thing. Get my hand raised. Um, I'm, you know, look for someone in the top five after that. You can follow Jimmy Rivera on Instagram at Jimmy Rivera on Twitter at Jimmy Rivera one thirty five. You can uh, or you must tune in UFC two forty seven February eighth in Houston Texas. That card is headlined by John Jones and Dominic Reyes fighting for the title. Jimmy, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. I know uh, one you're busy generally, but especially with the fight camp. No, anytime. Uh, this is I cool. We we'll definitely it. do it again. Yes, Just sir. hit me up and we'll do it. Perfect. Thank you so much, man. No, no Appreciate problem, you. Man. Anytime.